The following is a presentation of the WRBB Sports Podcast Network. Welcome everyone to the Brookline Baseball Club from WRBB Sports, your one-stop shop for all Northeastern Huskies baseball content. I am Colin Kapoor with WRBB, joined as always by Peyton Doyle. Peyton, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. You know, we love to talk about the weather on this podcast. Terrible day out today. No, it's, I, I love the weather. It's a life-giving mist out there. You know, it's invigorating. It, it helps walking. the sinuses, I've read, you know. Um, now, I was walking to the studio earlier. The wind on Hunting Ave shot the rain directly into my face. Terrible. No, nah, this I, is where we disagree. I, I enjoy like life-giving having mists. It's it's good. Like, it, it was exciting. It, it I'm a, I'm a person who sleeps often, and this is what wakes me up. I also had a Celsius earlier today, so that's keeping me up as well. Um, maybe more that's so fair. than the rain. But this is a podcast not about meteorology, that Peyton would like to have you believe, but about Northeastern that's, that's baseball. That's my favorite podcast. Yeah, North, uh, check out Peyton's meteorology podcast coming out later this year. But it's when we recorded last... Weather. Oh, that's actually... Solid. Yeah. Okay. I like the alliteration, but when we last spoke, uh, Northeastern was in the midst of a doubleheader against Holy Cross. They were also in the midst of a three-game winning streak. They swept that doubleheader against Holy Cross, winning three to one and ten to nothing, and then went on against Brown University and won eight to two. But a bit of a stumble a couple of days ago on Tuesday, recording this on Thursday, but March twenty-second, they got shut out against Boston College, another kind of inexplicable day where the offense just doesn't show up. We saw that against UMass a few weeks ago, against Clemson uh, a week ago. So th- this has happened before Mike Lavin has stressed consistency issues, but over the past week, I'd, I'd say overall positive. I'd, I'd say net positive, obviously going three and one in those four games this week. Peyton, what did you see from this Northeastern team over the past week? Yeah, you're going to that BC game. They're on a six-game winning streak. They're doing really well. Um, they're pitching in TSB, one of the best in their region. You know, right now they're sitting at tops in the conference by over um, 0.8 runs per game, which is incredible as far as their ERA goes. Their offense has gotten a little bit better. You know, 10 runs against Holy Cross, eight against Brown. But we noticed that for some reason on Tuesdays, they don't like to hit. It's, it's midweek games at home. It's odd. You know, their it's... Tuesday game against UMass, they scored one run. Then last week, they put Brian on Tuesday. They scored one run, and they won. And then no runs against BC this past Tuesday. So what I realized is don't schedule games on Tuesdays. Hopefully right now it's on those days. But besides that, I mean, their offense is starting to really get going. We're seeing a lot more contributions, like, just all around. People are starting to wake up. You know, it's warmer weather is happening. People are feeling good. And the pitching staff continues to be dominant, especially uh, Wyatt Scotty, who right now is the second-best ERA in the CAA and is – really starting to be the ace of the staff, even though we kind of thought that Seb Keen and Cam Schultz would be ahead of him going to the season. Yeah, it, it's been a meteoric rise for sure for Wyatt Scotty. And going into that BC game, uh, it's really interesting the way it played out. It was Eric Yost on the bump, and he's a guy that we've seen pitch in the middle innings, pitch as a starter, pitch sometimes in the back end of the bullpen. We see Mike Lavin go in, but he is more of the fourth starter of this team now as we get into more consistent games. But Yost was actually really solid. He gave up a run early, gave up a couple hits to start out and a sack fly. But and actually, those were uh, two infield singles in the first. So it was, it was just kind of like, I don't know, it was kind of seeing eye singles at, at that point. But 
he, he settled down from there. He struck out seven in his four innings of work. And we're going to see Yost probably get stretched out to around five or six innings by the midpoint of the season, I think. Um, but at this point, he's, he's more four innings. And then, I mean, the bullpen, I mean, there's so much you could say. I mean, Jordy Allard going two innings, Dennis Collard going two innings. Only walking one in those two innings is, is something that that jumps out of the stat sheet for a guy who who has struggled with walks. But Northeastern gets shut out in this game. And you look at you look at the base stats, they only get five hits, not great. But if you look at the way this first inning went, Jeff Costello um, pitched or not pitched, he singled to lead off the game. And Northeastern actually had bases loaded one out. They were down one in the first inning. And a strikeout by Justin Bosland and then a ground up by Mark D ended that. So they had their chances in this one. Mike Lavin said, you know, we have the, we had great pitching and great defense in this one. We just couldn't capitalize on, on our chances. So it, it comes down to just in, in inexplicable times, just not converting with the runners in scoring position and not converting with two outs. And, and that's just something that this team, the consistency just isn't there. Yeah. You know, um, to sell and Beckstein, they both got on base, but they both had hits to start off the game. And then Sirota, your best hitter, he strikes out three times in the game. You know, he doesn't, he has runners on, he doesn't drive them in. Diletto, you know, he's been up and down. He couldn't drive one in. Boslin, he's been one of the best young players. He couldn't do it. So really it's just, we talked about all year, like they're, run, they're hitting with runners in square position, you know, that clutch hitting hasn't really been there. You know, they really need to get guys moving around the bases. They can't. It's almost like they can't organically generate runs, which is strange. You know, they score a lot of errors just because of their pure speed. Uh, and, you know, they're playing a really tough BC team. You know, BC is one of the better teams in the ACC. They play a lot of tough competition. And, you know, they got a really great game out of Brendan Coffey and Joe Ryan and just the rest of that staff. It was just really a solid game for BC. And, you know, Sometimes the offense isn't going to go, but when you have Yost pitching that well, you need at least some kind of runs from your team. Yeah, absolutely. The, the consistency when, when it comes down to it, especially, you know, we're going to get into conference play and we'll break down uh, the college Charleston matchup coming up. But once you get do get into CAA play, the majority of Northeastern's games uh, coming up in the next month are all CAA play games. So we're going to have to see that consistency, especially in conference. Uh, I think I think they need to iron that out. Mike Lavin said that after the game against BC that they're doing the work. He just he did he seemed very frustrated. He didn't really have the answers. I mean, obviously coming off of a tough loss, talking to a reporter after the game, I get it. You know, you probably don't want to be talking to the media after that, but uh, he did seem a bit frustrated because he knows his team is doing the work and it, the results just aren't coming in. And a couple of standouts, we'll, we'll get into the individual matchups, but one a couple of things that stood out to me in these past four games was. The two, the two uh, veteran-ish pitchers getting back on track, um, Sebastian Keene and Cam Schlittler, they had great starts um, in this week. Holy Cross, uh, Cam Schlittler in the first game went seven strong, one run, five hits, had six strikeouts, um, got the win there. And then in game two, Sebastian Keene, six scoreless, 5K. So those guys haven't been as consistent. I think they're alternating good and bad starts at this point. Wyatt Scotty is the anchor of his rotation. He is the ace. He's five and zero. Oh. I mean, I said this last week. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again. Probably one of the best stars in the country. One of the top five stars at this point. You know, ERA wise, he's down. Um, he's in the top thirty, but he has more innings than everyone above him. He has thirty four innings and in five appearances, averaging just under seven innings per star pitched eight innings um, in his last start. So he just eats innings. 
he gets the strikeouts, he gets the, he gets outs and he's just able to just mow down opposing batters. And the key obviously to, to beating Scotty is, is to work counts against him and to get him out of the game early, but he's just been so good at, at just eating it, staying deep into games. But I mean, camp Slogan, special keen getting back on that horse after a couple, maybe not rough starts, but just not, you know, as we've seen them play in, in their past on this team. And then obviously um, we, we got to talk about, uh, one of the one of the biggest uh, movers for, for Northeastern, Jeff Costello from the leadoff spot. Uh, he did bat leadoff in the first game against Holy Cross, and then Glavin penciled him into the leadoff spot in the three games batting leadoff against Holy Cross, um, BC, and Brown University. He goes six for 14, a homer, a double, and two triples, which is 14 total bases, carrying the offense on his back. Against BC, he had that leadoff single, but couldn't get anything going after. Um, but was obviously on third with less than two outs um, in the first inning. So what have you seen from uh, Jeff Costello since he's been moved to the leadoff? And, you know, offensively, Northeastern, they, they've had, like, huge games and then games where they just haven't shown up. So what have you seen from the offense as a whole? Yeah, so he, he didn't really have a whole lot of power so far this year. You know, um, pulling up his stats right now, just average-wise, he was hitting 240 going into that Holy Cross doubleheader. He hadn't had a triple all year. He had just one home run in the first, you know, 15 games. And then come that second Holy Cross game, you know, he followed up in a tough first game, no hits and three at-bats. He had three hits, including two triples, two, you know, two RBIs and three runs in that second game. And really, once he was in that leader spot, he just started going. The next game, I mean, five for 10 over a two-game stretch is incredible. You add in a home run and two triples over that same stretch and a double. He's he's really just been tapping into his power, strangely, from the leadoff spot and really doing everything that his team needs. You know, he's not stealing bases. Once he gets on he's base, seven, he's, really, he's got seven steals. Seven. A lot of those came when he had two against Minnesota and three against Merrimack in the first game. Right, right. But he doesn't really need to steal bases once he gets on base because he's getting doubles, he's getting triples, and then he's hitting them out of the park. So he's really just been incredible in that leadoff spot and – I think we're going to continue to see Glavin kind of tinker with the lineup. You know, we've seen Bosland up there because he's one of the best players on the team. Make it up a little bit, drop him down to two. And with Costello up there, I mean, they've been successful. They scored eight runs and they scored 10 runs in the first two games that he badly off. So I had a pretty good recipe for doing well. You know, he's seeing 270 on the year, which is pretty solid. And I think he'll continue to have, once everyone has a set spot in the lineup, they'll start to have even out and find their role on this team going forward. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's an interesting point you bring up about Boslin, you know, kind of anchoring that leadoff spot early in the season. I mean, it makes sense with the, with the amount of speed that this guy has 10 steals on the season, but an average just under 250 um, OBP, not great. Actually OBP saw at 370. So his OPS is up at 721, but you know, it, it the, the OPS wise, you know, not a lot of these guys are going to be high in the yeah. slugging department, which which brings you down a little they bit. They have um, a lot of pop on this team. <laughs> yeah, Mike Sirota is the highest OPS on the squad with uh, just a hair over a thousand because uh, he has a slugging just under six hundred. So there, there's not going to be a lot of power. We, we we've talked about this before, but there are a lot of hard hit balls um, in the Holy Cross game. They had a lot of hard hit balls, but they weren't able to get any extra base hits until the sixth, and that was the Costello triple with one out. 
pushed the starter, Matt Rumley, out of the game. And then just they piled on from there, scoring 10 runs in the next three innings. So once the dam kind of breaks, like once you see them score that one run, have that big hit, they do tend to pile on after that. So maybe, you know, in the, in the BC game, if, if they got like that one big hit with the bases loaded in the first inning, you would see more runs start to pile in. And it, it, is, it is constant across baseball. Once you get that one run, that one big hit, more runs start to follow. Yeah, you know, hitting is contagious. And I'm just looking right now at how they're doing in the conference. The numbers aren't great. You know, they're about middle of pack average. But as far as runs per game and slugging, they're second to last in scoring and runs per game and then slugging. They're the worst team in the conference just as far as team slugging. So remember, we talked about kind of that identity they have. It's really like getting people going, getting on base, and then really just kind of like fire pitch teammates by causing it's making it so that they don't have to drive you in with a double, but rather they can do it with a single because you stole second, you know, and using your speed to go first to third or second to home instead of just advancing one base on the single. Cause really these guys for some reason cannot get extra base hits right now. And so I really think looking at the slugging numbers is tough for this team because that's really not their identity anymore. We talked a lot about their shifting yeah. identity and Stolen bases is, and that's one thing they rank really well in the conference set. I mean, they're up, they lead the CAA in steals by more than 20. And I think that's, I think it's a pretty, pretty good mark if you uh, want to really cement yourself as a fast team. Yeah. And I mean, uh, we, we've seen just leadoff walks turn into leadoff doubles, right? You, you're able to steal, steal that second base and get runner scoring position. Then it's just about the next man up getting that big hit. And then something, something also uh, to note about the pitching side um, out of the bullpen, Thomas Balboni has been really great. I think Glav has set him in as the, as the set closer. He's got three saves on the season. He locked down uh, the win against Holy Cross earlier and also pitched the ninth against BC. So we thought Dennis Colloran might uh, become the set closer, uh, but we, he's had command issues. And obviously that, that isn't great. He gave up that run in the ninth inning and the UMass game that ended in a tie. So having Balboni come in there and just anchor the back end of that bullpen is huge because, you know, he, he's been a great pitcher uh, for Northeastern, especially, you know, like, like I said, in the back end of the bullpen, but even just helping along Collarin's development in that way, not having to pitch in the highest pressure situations and also using Collarin as kind of a Swiss army. knife. We've, we've seen him pitch multiple innings in a couple of his previous appearances. Yeah, really since that UMass game, they have taken Palos high leverage and made him into really just like, I want to say an eggs eater because he's a very effective reliever. Um, he has, of true relievers, really not counting Eric Yost because he has made starts. Collard has the most innings pitched out of anyone coming out of that bullpen at 15 and a third. But he, but Collard, not Collard, I'm sorry, I apologize. Balboni has allowed him to have, do a different thing, have a little less pressure. Jordy Allard has done the same thing. Allard has been a great setup man. He's a 2.4 ERA right now, which is, I mean, that's just exactly what you need. Spolpe has been fantastic. You know, Balboni, 1.04. Collin, even though he has issues with walks, which his strike, he has 18 strikeouts, 15 walks. He's a 1.76 ERA. Just all around, the pitching's been phenomenal. And you're right, Balboni has been a big part of that, just being a really solid piece that Cloudy can rely on to close out those games when the offense isn't really doing enough to create that big lead. 
Yeah, and with Kyler and the walks you do need to mention, 15 walks in just over 15 innings. So that is about a walk per nine innings, which you do not want to see out of a relief pitcher. Um, but seeing him more so in those large inning or, or multi-inning situations is something I think that, you know, it's similar to Jordy Aller. I think it is actually going to be really helpful. You have Balboni anchoring those late inning situations, and then you have Aller you can go to maybe if you, it's kind of like Yost goes four, and then you see Aller or Collar come in for the next two or three. And that, that kind of gives you the Scotty-like production. I mean, Eric Yost has a one five seven year, right? He is the second best ERA in this pitching staff uh, right now. And he has, basically the same amount of innings as Sebastian Keene does. Sebastian Keene, 23 and two-thirds innings. Eric Yost, 23 innings on the dot. And Keene's ERA is basically two whole runs higher than Eric Yost. So Yost has been one of the, just one of the bright spots uh, for this Northeastern team. And it's especially, especially impressive considering he has six appearances and five starts. And while that may not seem necessarily like a big discrepancy, for starting pitchers coming out of the bullpen and disrupting your your however many starts in a week cycle is a big deal. And so being able to get back on the horse starting games right after relief appearance is, is huge. And Eric Yost has been one of the bright spots. I mean, obviously overshadowed by white Scotty's just amazing performance, but he's been, uh, he's been the number two starter, uh, you know, maybe not as many innings as a guy like Cam Schlotler is going to give you at 29.2, but I mean, Eric Yost's ERA of 157 is just incredible to start the season. I mean, and we do say start the season, but we're 21 games in at this point. We have like 30 games left. Like this season is flying by right now. And it is it is easy to overlook like guys like Eric Yost and, and guys like uh, Thomas Balboni. But these guys have been really, really solid uh, in their innings of work this season. Yeah, we can't really write them off as just having good starts. As you said, you know, we're nearly halfway there. And just other relievers, I mean, We've seen Michael Gabbard, he's gotten one start. He's also just been a key guy to eat up those innings out of the bullpen. We haven't really had a whole lot of different of guys like that. You know, we have Owen Langan, or Langan, I apologize. But, you know, some of those guys like Jake Gigliotti and Nick Davis haven't really been there this year. Even James Quinlivan, he struggled. So having some of those newer, younger guys come in and really just provide solid innings out of the bullpen has been huge. And yeah, we're, and we're cruising along in the season. We're just about in conference play. Um, Charleston's they're up next. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I have a feeling like, like I said earlier, uh, conference teams, they know each other's tendencies, especially going later into the season when, you know, we're going to see William and Mary a, a couple of times. We're going to see Elon a couple of times. We're going to see Brian again. I have a feeling our starters are going to start going a little less deep into games. White Scotty may be the exception because he is just a master at throwing balls. He's good at that. Um, but other guys, I mean, I think we're going to have to see this kind of middle end of the bullpen that we haven't seen a lot. Guys like Jake Gigliotti, Nick Davis, who've only pitched a few innings this season. I think we're going to see them have to take on a larger role because I have a feeling that these conference teams, these conference games are going to work at bats hard. College of Charleston, I think is going to be a really good test first conference series if if we can get the starters back pitching five plus six plus innings and then I mean because you have six innings and then you have Colleran and Aller right there to bridge the gap to Balboni that's a great recipe for success but you know you can't expect uh Sebastian Keene or Cam Schlitt or even Wyatt Scotty to, to pitch seven innings two runs every single start so I think we're going to see I think James Quinlivan as well is going to it's going to be asked to shoulder more of a workload because I mean Brett Dunham uh, James Quinlivan and Nick Davis together have only pitched six innings 
right? So I, I think we're going to see those guys have to shoulder more of the workload going forward. Yeah, we're going to see games like this upcoming week is going to be tough. Yes, you know, really hard. They have five games, or yeah, five games in eight days, which is not an easy schedule, especially when you know guys are still. I shouldn't even say they're still getting the arms loose, but haven't you have your two main stars haven't really been able to go much beyond the six to seven innings, and your bullpen is going to get stressed out. So yeah, you're going to have to see more players. Sorry, I need to mute that. Um, more players gain more innings as bullpen. You know. Some of the lower teams in the conference, I should say, they could probably allow to have some of their relievers going or other relievers going. You know, we have um, Colin Charleston this week, maybe we're a Blue Island next week on Wednesday. Then William Mary, who is not the best team. Um, they, have, they have team ERA of uh, 5.4. And not exactly have, where you want to be. And they have one of the worst offenses in the conference. So really maybe bring your best guys with Charleston, then kind of mix things up against William Mary and see what they can bring you. Absolutely. Yeah. And one thing, one thing to note, especially with this young, very young pitching staff, all of all the pitchings of there, there's redshirt sophomores and, and sophomores, why Scotty and sophomore. You lost Kyle Murphy, who was the veteran of this rotation, right? And I think as we get later into the season, seeing how these guys develop as leaders, especially, I mean, pitching, starting pitching as a leader, I think White Scotty's developed incredibly well. Michael Lappin will tell you, especially even last year, White Scotty as a freshman uh, has that leadership mentality in him. So as we get farther into the season, like you said, we're almost halfway through. We're going to get close into more conference play. We're going to get into bigger games. And I think the leadership aspect of these guys without a veteran like Kyle Murphy from last year, without a veteran like Brian Rodriguez out of the bullpen. It's going to be really interesting to see how these young guys kind of, because they have to kind of mature on the flight. Not to say they're not mature already, but it's going to be really interesting to see as the season goes on, how these guys, because this is a really, really young team where they brought in Matt Devlin as a transfer grad student. But, you know, this is an incredibly, incredibly young team. You've seen a bunch of freshmen, the best hitter on this team, Mike Sirota, obviously a freshman, Justin Boston, a freshman, so I think we're going to see, you know, we're going to see the development of this leadership group of the core group, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, they they have one, well, they have, they have two technical seniors on this team, and Jordy Allard, Jeff Costello, and I think Allard's really stepping up as a nice piece out of the bullpen to kind of slow things down for them. But yeah, I mean, as far as the actual starting rotation, they don't have any veteran guys. You know, this is. The, it's the second year pitching for Scotty, Keen, and Slutler, and Yost as well, I believe. Um, my kind of, yeah, Eric Yost is a true sophomore. And so, yeah, I think this would be a great learning opportunity for all these guys and really going to next year would make them even stronger because, you know, you maybe add Colin to that starting rotation mix, and that's – you're going to have one of the best staffs – Definitely the best staff in the CAA conference, and, yeah, and one of the best on the at least in the Northeast because they're already solid. You know, we've seen we saw Schittler and Keen kind of struggle to, and it, initially, but they've both brought their ERAs down. Keen's at three point four two, Schittler at three point three four. I mean, this this pitching staff is incredibly dangerous, and they're all young. So I 
I'm confident what they can bring, not just as this year goes on, but the rest of their careers at Northeastern. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a testament to the to the coaching staff as well, getting in these young guys, and also the development of Wide Scott is just incredible. I don't think anyone saw him as being the legitimate ace of this rotation. It was seen. It is still a three headed monster, but Wide Scotty is the biggest and most dangerous head of all three of the heads. I think we can say that. Uh, so it, it, his development has just been incredible. Um, but going into the the series against uh, Charleston Payton, I know you have have some information about this Charleston team. You want to break it down a little bit for us? Yeah, Charleston, they're one of the best teams in the conference. You know, they've played a pretty solid outcome schedule. You know, usually you don't know what you're going to get with a whole lot of teams, especially mid-majors playing out of conference. You see people playing D3 teams. You know, you see people playing ACC teams. And really, Charleston's played some tough competition. They played Clemson in a one get in a uh, one game set. They lost one two. Uh, they played UMass Lowell, who Northeastern will be playing, has played in the past. They won that series two three. After that, they played number two Texas and they won eight to four. And then after that, they had a series against Eastern Carolina, who came to the season ranked. They won that series. The Charlestons, they're dangerous. And just as far as how they're doing in comparison to other CA teams at conference, Charleston has second best scoring offense as far as runs per game and the second best ERA in the conference. So they're they're gonna be a dangerous team. They have they're tied for the most wins with Northeastern at 12. They're gonna be incredibly talented. I'll just want to check and see um the, what they had in the preseason all CIA teams. Um sorry that they had, they had four players voted to the preseason all CIA team out of about 20. So just really solid solid team and really a tough test for Glavin as I'm sure he really wants to put his mark again on the CIA this year as dominant force. You know, I don't I'm actually not sure if they put Charleston at all last year because they did the North and South divisions with pull up the schedule. Will just be a great opportunity to kind of show why they were voted as the top team coin this year, the CIA, and so that they can really play against teams within their conference not just do well out of conference. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's going to be an incredible stretch for Northeastern. I think getting into CAA play, starting to play at home, they have Will and Mary set coming up in about a week, and then the baseball being popped in Elon. So it's going to be a great stretch, and it's going to be, you know, one, one of these stretches that as we get to the halfway point of the season, teams either start to falter or they start, start to really solidify themselves as legitimate threats. And especially as we start playing in conference, you're going to see that. But So the next games for Northeastern before that we'll recap next week, they have a three-game set at Charleston, the College of Charleston, and then a game at the University of Rhode Island. Uh, end us off with any, uh, any words of wisdom, perhaps? Words of wisdom. Um, no, the spring is a great time. It's officially spring now. It's March 24th. Oh, look at that. Baseball season. Um, I did just check. Northeastern beat Charleston in the uh, tournament last year. They beat them in two, both both games. Charleston's going to be mad. But you know what? We have some really solid pitching, a really good team. And I'm sure Glavin's not afraid. Words of wisdom, stay safe out there, folks, and enjoy this very talented uh, Huskies baseball team. Absolutely. For uh, WRBB, we'll have great coverage of those four games. But then starting up 
in April 1st, we're going to have our broadcast coverage uh, in the home set against William and Mary. Peyton and I will be on a couple of those games. We'll have Daisy Roberts, Justin Diamond, Kevin Morrison, all of those fun fellas at those games broadcasting on WRBB 104.9 FM. Other podcasts we have on WRBB Sports Podcast Network. We have Husky Hoops that Peyton is a part of. It's fine. You can listen to it if you want. Um, really we have... We have the Bean Pod. I uh, co-run that one with Maddie Wasserman. We have the Banner, Dog awesome. Sports Sound. That one, Good that one's kind of like, yeah, that's one's fine. I, I kind of stopped going to that one, but you know it's okay. Um, anyway, if you see us around Northeastern, be sure to say hi. We'll take a picture, selfie, autographs, all of these things. We're coming out with those big like face posters that you can like bring to like our games. Like if you want to support us, those yeah. are in production. Mm-hmm um what are they called we'll like face free. things oh, they're, they're they're posters yeah yeah like uh yep. those things so I, I'll, I'll sign one it'll be collector's edition um but anyway for wrbb sports colin kapoor joined by peyton doyle on the brookline baseball club thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you next week stay happy out there folks bye